Hello, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Catch-22 podcast. I'm your host for this week, Kyle Cantlon. To my left, we got Phil the Thrill Jones, Kyle Forster to my right, and behind the controls, we got producer Mark Stanyush. This week on the Epi, we are going to discuss a little bit of Blue Jays talk, World Cup and Team Canada's dominance, Monday Night Football's struggling ratings, but first, we're going to start with our Too Soon Story of the Week. We're going to kick it off with a little cool story. Cool story, bro. But it's also mixing in a little bit of a, a too soon case, and it's about D. Gordon and kind of the fallout of the Jose Fernandez thing. And it's obviously a very touching story, and I think we've learned a lot about Jose Fernandez's character in this past week and a lot of uh, outcry from kind of the Miami community and how good of a guy he was. Um, but... Specifically, there was a story where in the very first, well, the, the game where they were supposed to play the day that it happened or the, the following morning was canceled, but they played the game the next day. And D. Gordon, um, famous for missing half the season for PED suspensions, went up to the plate, batted in the right-hand side as if he was a righty, wearing the helmet of Jose Fernandez. And the jersey. Everyone was wearing kind of the Fernandez jersey. But then he took the first pitch, strike, and then he switched sides, switched helmets, went to the left, and then hit a jack on, I don't think it was the first pitch, but he hit a jack. Wait, wait, wait. So he switched helmets? Yeah, because he had a righty helmet. So what, he had the, the, the bat boy, whoever, bring him out a helmet? Yeah. Okay. Got, Did we know this? So the, we still don't know if that's actually allowed or not yet to switch sides. It is. Through it is. Bat. I looked into is it. it. The pitcher it can't do it. Because of the Pat Van Diddy situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they kept the, switching back and forth. Yeah, you yeah. have to determine as a pitcher which way you're going from the onset, and mm. the pitcher can't switch up. As that was a unique uh, pitcher, if you guys don't know. The Jays had an ambidextrous pitcher earlier in the season. Uh, but batter, you can switch every pitch if you want. You can go mm. left to right. That's cool. Yeah, so it's... So he didn't legit. break any rules to honor his... No, but I, I, I'm sure they wouldn't have made a big fuss about it either way. <laughs> is D. Gordon a switch hitter, or is that just no, a that random... Was just tribute. That was his okay. tribute. Okay. Apparently, he was really good friends, and he hits his home run. And uh, he's not actually a home run hitter, but um, I thought he was. <laughs> we, I was kind of ex- we all thought he was. Because, I mean, he, he was... I think he led the league last year. Led the in, league in hits. In hits. So, I mean, he has a high batting average. Typically, he missed a lot of this year. And the whole story was, it basically said, you know... You have to believe in God because I usually don't hit home runs. I never hit one that far. Let's start going around the room. We'll start with Phil. Uh-oh. Cool story. Cool story, bro. Too soon in the wake of a tragedy, uh, R.I.P. Fernandez. Uh, the big sneak is writers may give him the Cy Young. Uh, my piece is coming out about that, not specifically Fernandez, but I give all the award winners. I'm leaning towards Scherzer, but writers could give him the posthumous Cy Young because it is a tragic story to the topic at hand. Yeah, it's a cool story, but as we talked about off the air, it's possible that the pitcher may have served one up for him. Just said, here's a freebie. Could have given him something to hit just because, you know, he, he understood it was a tribute. Uh, in many ways, like maybe Tim Tebow getting served up uh, <laughs> getting served up a fastball in his first at-bat. Makes, <laughs> I know, uh, makes for a good story. Uh, I think it, it, it's definitely a cool story, but at the same time, uh, when you're bringing God into the equation and whatnot, it, uh, you're straddling a fine line with that. I mean, it made the Marlins feel good about themselves. They got the win, 
which I guess is a win for everybody because the last thing you want to do is have an event like that happen on the last day of the season and then you got to go home, sit home alone with those thoughts on your mind. So I'm going, cool story, good for D. Gordon hitting that home run from the left side of the plate. I'm going to go with cool story as well. I also have a heart, Phil, and this is a very <laughs> touching story, I feel. Um, overall, like the home run and stuff is not a big deal to me. Um, just the whole tribute itself, if anyone watched that game, um, the first inning especially, it was pretty, it was pretty tough stuff to watch. Um, and it could have went a whole bunch of different ways, whether old Bartolo threw him a nice uh, greaser or not. Um, took it out of the park. It was, it, was, it was cool to me. I thought it was, it was pretty touching. I thought it was a little bit overblown for the, the situation, but <laughs> it's a cool story to me. Yeah, I'm going to follow suit with you guys. Well, we're it's, all good uh, guys. We're all good guys. I know. I thought it was going to go sooner. another direction here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a cool story for me. Say what you will about D. Gordon and uh, his reputation and what happened this season with the PED suspension and what have you. Um, I think you just got to break it down and look at it from the angle of a guy that hit a rare home run, something that he doesn't do very often, the day after one of his best friends passed away, while wearing his jersey, while wearing his helmet, while hitting from the same side of the plate. I mean, divine intervention aside, regardless, it's a great story. I mean, I love the narrative of sports, and that's definitely a uh, an, an awesome story. Mark, you hates it. Let's hear it. I'm going to say it's a, it's a cool story because oh, I was shocked what? to find out that despite oh. taking uh, steroids that D. Gordon could have hit more home runs than five a season. His record <laughs> is four. All right, jokes aside. I he was I mean, a slugger. Well, I mean, something's wrong. He's got to get better PEDs. <laughs> Why would you get suspended? You miss 80 games and you can't even hit five home runs in a season? I okay. thought you were maybe going to go with Cool Story Bro. It would be a lot cooler if he got up there and pitched standing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a heart. All right. Too soon. I'm just kidding. But, uh, I mean, he was running around the bases. He, he was tearing up. It was hard not to, like, you know, if you were watching it, for your room to get a little dusty and for you to tear up a bit. I mean, uh, what I think is a cool story is it does kind of put an exclamation mark to this kind of narrative that was going off following it. And, you know what? I have to admit, I knew who Jose Fernandez was. I knew he was the ace of the Marlins. And that's about as much as I knew about him. I knew he was a young, like, promising pitcher. But what I've learned about him, you know, it's, it's impressive. And it's some of those other things, kind of those viral videos circulating that are less about what he did, you know, on the mound, but more about what he did for the community and such. So I think it's a cool story. And uh, prayers go out to his family and friends. Moving on, we have the second of our cool story or cool story, bro. And that's kind of the Monday Night Football struggle. So Monday Night Football was a match between the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints, and it had the lowest rating of the program of all time. Uh, the NFL Shield, it's there dwindling. Is, it's dwindling. Yeah, there is kind of uh, the obvious reason for this is the debate was on between Trump and Clinton, and that had 75 million viewers in the States alone and over 100 million like worldwide. So that obviously probably took a, a chunk out of it, but... You know, there's some other factors, which we'll maybe discuss. Uh, so we'll start with Phil again. Cool story or cool story, bro? It, it's a cool story, bro. Now, when you say of all time, I should have done my research, but we're talking ratings through the Nelson ratings. We're talking actual numbers. Uh, no, uh, Nielsen ratings. Nielsen ratings. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool story, bro. You have the presidential debates on. Everyone's got access to those. I mean, it was a train wreck waiting to happen. Everybody wanted to tune in and see what the – what the fuck was coming out of Trump's mouth? You know, you knew that was going to be much watched TV standings. So you got that. Plus, you got baseball games on with pennant races going. 
fans with their hands on the panic buttons. So, I mean, oh. Monday Night Football is playing third <laughs> fiddle. As well, you got the Saints, which aren't exactly uh, a huge market. I could be wrong, but uh, the population in New Orleans does not rival that of uh, many other major media centers. And the Falcons, who could be sneaky good. Uh, well, maybe not. But in any event, the Falcons aren't, aren't a huge draw either. So, yeah, that's playing third fiddle. It's college yeah. country there in yeah, Georgia. Yeah, for sure, for sure. The... Uh, the the Saints Falcons game yeah that falls to like third fourth on the radar so yeah that's that's a cool story bro if I'm uh, if I'm an exec with uh, Monday Night Football I'm not too worried about that yeah cool story bro for me too just one night um, that debate was maybe the most anticipated debate in a long 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 time and there was two pretty crummy teams playing um, they still actually had a decent rating um, compared to. Some of the hockey coverage and stuff that was, yeah. uh, they still crushed some of those numbers. So, I mean, for one night for the NFL, I wouldn't be too concerned. And that debate, as much as it drew, um, I'm seeing here, it was still 6% less than last year's Super Bowl. So, the NFL still be crushing it on the ratings. Uh, yeah, we need to get some parody here, boys. Um, it's definitely a. <laughs> Cool story, bro. All on the same page today. Um, I mean, yeah. If you've all said it, you consider all the factors with the debate breaking records. Um, you look at the the stat. Oh, it's the lowest ratings in forty seven years, and that's kind of takes you back and makes you worry a little bit. But I mean, yeah. If you consider all the factors, the two teams aren't very good. New Orleans is nowhere near the highest market in the states. Atlanta's up there, but yeah, like you said, it's college country. Um, I think it's a mistake by the scheduling committee putting these two teams in a primetime spot. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a combination of a lot of different factors, and that's kind of what we got at the end of it. I'm going to say cool story. I mean, there, I think it's more than just the debate. Now, the debate may be the reason there, but generally, even though this isn't what we were discussing, but the numbers have been slightly down. I think biggest thing is like the matchups are kind of obvious there's like bears got a pair of primetime games in the last two weeks and there's been some kind of questionable matchups but i would also say some of the star powers kind of like lost its luster at least some of the home like no names i mean tom brady hasn't played the first four games calvin johnson marshawn lynch retire now jj watts gonna i mean Mm -hmm. right now he'll be out for the rest of the season so some of those like names that people can really identify with like the the ones where they can you know know what they look like with the helmets off Maybe and you're gonna tune in to watch specifically for those guys. Yeah, they're not they're not there. I mean, the matchups are a big part of it. I think it's definitely gonna bounce back, but I think the the NFL may think that they could take the medicine now and save some of their better primetime matchups for later. But I think they're starting to realize that you want to capitalize on the early part of the season, and I don't expect next year to see uh, some of these weaker matchups in the early weeks. I think. They need to realize that they want to, you know, start from the top and get as much momentum as possible. So I don't think the NFL is, you know, on its deathbed or anything. But with the creeping, you know, concerns about concussions as well, like, you know, they got to maybe they're getting a little too high and mighty and they might need to eat some humble pie and kind of take these numbers for a little more serious. I don't, than know, if the NFL, I don't know if the NFL operates that way. Yeah. They're not a big fan of <laughs> Pie, I don't think. Well, you got to spread around those Monday night games, and I, I get your point, Stanley. You probably want to have the first game to be uh, a five beller, first Monday nighter, and then from there, you do want to stack. You know what some of the better matchups are going to be. You want those towards the end of the schedule. So, 
a little week three. I mean, they're starting their buys now in week four. Have they but, ever done that? Yeah. Well, it, it's a little bizarre right now. I, I could be wrong on that one. But, you know, you throw a little Saints-Falcons week three. Eh, roll the dice. I mean, you knew it was going to be bad. You, maybe you knew the presidential debate was on, right? And you're like, you know what? Let's what matchup put, put on? Well, well, here, here, here's, an, here's an example of where I'm getting my thoughts. So Chicago is a huge market. It's like one of the biggest cities in the I think US. it's like number, it's like, it's number three or four. It's, yeah, it's number three or four. And it's a team that has a lot of historic. Our numbers you know, are bang on. Yeah. <laughs> stat three or four. General. Yeah, last week from, we were pulling out stats. Stats Canada. Um, the, the Bears are also like a historic team. So the Bears are also projected to do really bad. So what they did is in the first three weeks, they put them with two primetime matchups because they're like, let's get this, you know, audience or this demographic engaged before the team has fallen off. So what they're doing is when these teams are not projected to do very well, they're stuffing them at the beginning of the season when there's still a hope mm-hmm. for them. Okay. And then you find better matchups at the end. I mean, that's that kind of... Sense. Yeah, there's stuff at stake towards the end of the season as opposed to now where everyone is kind of on the same plane. It also makes sense and kind of like, I almost agree with it. Which I mean, if you're going to give the Bears two primetime matchups, maybe do it in the first three weeks. But maybe... Before they're just dusted. Maybe we have to look at it more like the NBA where the NBA is kind of like a borderless league where like OKC could be a small market but still bringing in a lot yeah. of people. Same with NFL. With fantasy football, people will watch good matchups because they have yeah. they want to see who wins. They're betting and there's fantasy. It's like a three-pronged thing. Mm-hmm. So I think they should maybe forget about the number of people that live in the cities and care more about you know quality matchups on primetime. That's it for Cool Story or Cool Story Bro. Next up we have some Trial by Opinion. Welcome back. Last night, Team Canada won their third straight best-on-best international hockey tournament. They won the World Cup last night, Game 2. They needed a comeback late in the third period, and they ended up taking Team Europe, one of the teams that we do not grow up hating. They beat them 2-1 last night to capture the 2 out of 3 final of the World Cup. Um, That's three straight, like I said, international best-on-best wins for Canada. They've also won 16 straight games best-on-best going back to the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. Um, We're going to get in a little bit of discussion here about the World Cup. Uh, Phil, what are your thoughts on uh, how that all went down, the World Cup? Success, no success? Are we doing a trial by opinion? We you are. You got me on the spot here. Well, let's get some general opinions first. Oh, yeah. Kind of set the stage, whether it was a success or not. Man, was it a success? Well, what defines success? There Canada winning? The sure. Question. For the uh, <laughs> for the program? <laughs> good for Hockey Canada. Good for Esso. Good for Tim Hortons. Good for all the former sponsors. <laughs> RBC. Don't forget get, RBC. Yeah, getting, getting that win. Uh, the program's <laughs> dominant. That much we know. Uh, from my perspective, I wasn't really all that keen on going to games. I went to the last World Cup in 2004. Maybe the aging thing, but uh, forget about cutting cords. I like to sit home now and, and watch the game where I can see everything. Not make the effort to go to the game. I wasn't that moved by it. Uh, as far as attracting youthful you know, enthusiasm about it, sure, kids are into it. They have the fan village and everything. I didn't sense the same kind of vibe. I didn't sense the same kind of excitement with it. I don't know if that's oversaturation or Canada's dominance, what we'll get to. Uh, if it wasn't a success financially, I haven't even seen those numbers. I would assume it would be. Although there was rumor of tickets going for like 20 30 bucks. On the streets, yeah. On the uh, the first game against Europe, 
So I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say it was a mild success, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't a resounding success. I think the numbers point to the fact that it wasn't that big of a success, and that's kind of our topic. We're going to discuss or debate rather whether Debates. the the issue was the fact that Canada was just simply too dominant, and that you know hinders the event, or if there were a number of other kind of factors that led to it. So I'm going to argue the fact that it has to do with more than just Canada's success. And Kant is going to argue that Canada's dominance is the reason that the tournament kind of struggled. Don't and tell me what I'm going to argue. I'll argue whatever I want. All right. You actually can go first then. You seem <laughs> pretty confident. Really. <laughs> no one cared about the World Cup because Canada is not only extremely good, they're in their best phase Canada hockey's probably ever seen. Um, the Canada World Cup teams in 87... Uh, back then, that era of players was probably rivaled with Gretzky, Lemieux, that core. But the core they have now with, I mean, Taves, Crosby, Bergeron, Shea Weber, Duncan Keith was out this tournament, but he's in that core too. Carey Price on the back end. Um, they were just dominant. It's not only how dominant they are, it's their coach, Mike Babcock. He plays a, let's say, very boring system. Um, Canada has an incredible amount of explosiveness and skill they can win games 10 nothing if they really just put their foot down babcock likes to run that tight ship and he has the the guys playing super short shifts really tight really defensively and uh when you're seeing all those players not held back but having to change their game to play that defensive system i think that drove a lot of people's interest down um and yeah the fact that it's just it looked easy for Canada this tournament to be honest it looked really easy and there wasn't much of a challenge from the states who they thought they were going to get one from Russia gave them a little bit of a game but I mean that still wasn't even there so the the, cha- the competition wasn't there and I think that really hurt the tournament yeah well you know that's just like uh, your opinion man all right, finally got to appropriately use a drop okay <laughs> so my opinion is that it has to do a lot more than just Canada being dominant because if you look at from the very beginning, that was oddly enough that Team North America and Europe ended up being successes in the fact that one was like a marketing genius and North America and Europe was successful. I think there's a lot of like mistakes made with the tournament. One, I mean, it's hard to avoid, but the timing of the tournament is like the busiest in the calendar. You're getting, especially now running into the popularity of baseball, you know, end of season September for the Jays doesn't help that, you know, there's competing on both Tuesday and Thursday with like hot tickets in the Rogers Center. But also the fact that NFL starting in, in college football in America, because you really got to look at the success is was it, whether it was successful in the States. And ESPN did hop on and everyone says that ESPN should back the NHL because for those who don't know, NHL is primarily, well, it's basically aired solely on NBC after NBC acquired Versus Network. Uh, so ESPN, because they don't show any NHL, they don't promote it. So they barely, aside from a couple of highlights during playoffs time, they have no you know, cachet in it, so they don't really have a stake in the matter. Now they had picked up the rights to this, so there was a chance that they would have been pushing it huge. And that would have been in the rare case that the U.S. maybe made it to the finals. But I also think it was questionable to do a three-game like uh, final. I think that, I mean, best of three, rather. If there was a one-game there would have been a chance that Europe could have won. Yesterday was evidence. Like, Europe almost won, la- take away the last three minutes, and they won. But when, like, Canada, toughest competition was probably Russia because that was a one-game elimination. Coming to the finals, there was no chance they were going to lose to Europe. No. Now, that does lean to the fact that they're dominant, 
and I get that that's why. But I think it Canadian does, does. hockey fans like to see a dominant team, and I think the en- I mean the enemy nations would have wanted to, you know, topple a giant. The uh, bigger they are, the harder they fall. So I don't think the dominant Canada team actually deterred other fans. I think the fact that the only team that made the finals was Europe, and that's not even a nation. Mm. What, what are they like? The Slovenians who have like two players are going to get fired up and Don't travel across. The Swiss the, yeah, going to travel. Danes. I just think you're like the fact that Europe made a final is a disaster for was a disaster in the end because there's literally like after they scored they showed two guys standing up in the ACC and it really looked like there was two guys. One guy was this <laughs> fat guy with a beard who looked like he was from maybe Slovenia. <laughs> and then there was one guy who wore like blue. Kopitar's uncle. Man. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't. <laughs> Kopitar's uncle. <laughs> You're right there, Phil? Excuse me. Kopitar's uncle, yeah. <laughs> and then there was this one like hipster guy wearing like skinny jeans and glasses who I think was just he there was to from p- Austria. There to no, take I, Instagram I, pictures. I think he was Canadian. I think he was just <laughs> pissing everyone off. Point is, the tournament was a failure and I don't think, I think Canada being dominant had nothing to, I, I think, a dominant force in a tournament could be good. And the show's NBA. You see that with, like, Golden State. People like, you know, a, a target on their back. They like to beat the Giants. Canada yeah. being dominant, I think, it definitely... It was a combination of Canada being dominant and the other teams being bad. So Canada ends up playing Europe and the States, who, like you said, no one has any qualms against Team Europe. No one, yeah. no one has any rivalry against those Swiss... Those three Swiss players or those two Danish players on their team. There is... The team, like the fact that Canada was so dominant, led to this format where Europe, this team Europe, had to be created because they didn't want a bunch of other lower end teams who couldn't compete in there. And it just, it all, Canada being dominant at the top trickled down to everything else, and it just, it made it not a very entertaining tournament in my. Opinion. A lot of the, uh, I feel like a lot of the allure of international tournaments and uh, other things like this are is like the patriotic nature of them where you're cheering exactly. you want to beat your, Russia yeah, you you're cheering for US. your country you hate the Russians you yeah. hate the US you want to beat them when you're like playing against Europe like no one says oh go Europe I'm European no, no one says oh I'm North American like yeah. no one's ever said that it just it doesn't make sense I mean I get it to like try and increase competition in the tournament but in the end it just fell flat on its face I think, I think. I think we should talk about a couple things we would do differently if we brought this tournament back but before we do Phil, Phil, who won? Who won? 100%. Uh, well, it was a good chat. Uh, Mark was victorious in the uh, trial by opinion. I'm um, my first loss. Of the hey, season. bringing up the U.S., bringing up ESPN, and, and that's a very valid point, right? A lot of the success is determined on how the other nations perceived it. Yes, Canada was the host nation, but you definitely want those rivalries to be in there, especially in the quarters and the semis. Now, real quickly, before we open up the floor, I think the actual format with the three-game final was a bit bizarre. It's bush, yeah. They, they should have had a quarter, then a semi, and that way you could have maybe gotten U.S. in there, which, which would have been nice, right, to really build that up for them, to at least give them, dangle them a, a chance of, of moving on in the tourney. We can't give a quarter if there's only eight teams. We're not, it's not a house league playoffs. Like, not everyone can make it to the elimination round. That's why you can't have a World Cup with only That's eight wh- teams. Well, the question so is, bush. U.S. needs to be better, and let's not give – because North America just crippled U.S. Like, whereas – how many players and from the U.S. T- would have been better if they had those yes. North American players on their team. They would have been. Now, Canada is so but deep. Canada would have had like eight more centers to add to their team. But like. who would have really made that team? Conor McDavid? Yeah, it's probably, probably one it. of the that's only that's players. That's how deep they are. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. But the U.S., there's probably at least five or six players I would have like. Yeah. Granted, that team was also constructed poorly, but... That was constructed horribly. I think 
U.S. needs to succeed would be one way to get that better, and that would be you got to kind of what would you do with North America? Because they were like, I think you. That's the last time we see North America. I think. They were, but I think they were one of the positives. That they the were, but they were intriguing, the last, and tantalizing. The, the last like four or five drafts in the NHL have been like some of the best drafts ever. Yeah. Um, so you definitely won't have that assemble of talent again in four years. I think Connor McDavid and a couple other guys are the only guys that will be eligible. And I can almost guarantee you, well, he's already said it, McDavid is going to want to be on mm-hmm. Team Canada. Yeah. The people, um, the general buzz has been there. If they do bring that back, the rule will be one and done for anyone who's represented in Team North America. Which means the next team won't, it'll be, it'll compete probably because the drafts are still going to be strong in the next couple of years, but it's not going to be anywhere near how good this team was. But then, well, we're also projecting that there'll be, who knows, maybe there will be another Conor McDavid because, yeah. you know, it's hard to tell, but. It's hard, it's just because, yeah, the last, the last two, three drafts, in particular, have been like superstar, 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 generational player, like Crosby, Ovechkin style drafts, um, where, and then we didn't see that for about eight, nine years before, like since Crosby, since Taves, pretty much. We didn't see Taves, Stamkos, that. So, yeah, so it's hard to say. It's hard to predict it. Obviously, if yeah. I if I were, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to go back to the actual format. Right, we're yeah. talking about the eight team. What I didn't even get a chance to weigh in with the fact that yeah, you have everybody make make whatever you want to call it the playoffs, the quarters, right. You have your seating fall accordingly. Or if you scrap this idea of North America, which people won't like, or Europe, on Fossey's point there, the, the Europe thing is, is nuts because you have some countries that maybe don't like each other too yeah. much. or you've got like It's polarizing for people to cheer for, right? Yeah. So I would think maybe if you're going to do this again, I mean, how many countries actually play hockey that are good? We're down to six now. Yeah. Maybe just have the big six at the tourney. That's what I was and saying. And that's what you have. And then you play a semi. Sorry, Kobatari, you, you don't get a whole I team. Would, so you you know, know what I would tournament. do? I would maybe do a round robin. All six all teams. All six teams. Every, you play five games, and I would say even one, just one final game. Like, mm-hmm. out of that six, it, I don't know if you could play five round robin games and only eliminate two teams. Maybe what you do is you play five round robin games, you go one top, team gets a bye, bye and yeah. then two and three play to like play them in the man. finals. Sure. But I like the idea of six, like, you know what? Because that way you get every matchup. Like, you know yeah. Canada will play Russia. You know Canada will play the U.S. That's so, how you're yeah. the best. You play every team. I think we're on to something good here. There's man, established sure. history. There's rivalries. You'll get the maximum competition possible. The World Junior format used to be, It'll be shorter. straight round robin. That's it. Now, Winner wins. Yeah. Is it good? So they've, done that, they've done that in international before. And it, it, was, it was all right. It was back, back in, like, the 90s. But yeah. it worked. Would Europe fans, like, are there, are there Europe fans? Like, I guess if you're... Well, you, ha- you have the world championship. Yo, you've got the Olympics. Enough, you don't get yeah, in. you can qualify. <laughs> this is like, like house league here. Like, like, exactly. It's an elite tournament, right? <laughs> it's not you like give, oh, you, so we feel. You got to give the people what they want, like, and uh, you're sort of pandering a little bit by trying to round it up from an eight to ten. They probably talked about it in the boardroom about having a ninth and tenth yeah. team. You can honestly, and you then, can squeeze Slovakia and like maybe like Switzerland or Germany in there for an eight team tournament. Yeah, like well, they did that last time compete. in 2004. Those teams can I saw compete. that game, and Canada shut out Slovakia. Like, Czech Republic was pretty bad this year. Like, yeah. Czech Republic's a borderline sixth team. Yeah. So, well, that's what there's, he, there should be. Yeah. A, there's five nations in the world that are good at hockey. Well, the ter- I mean, five. the purpose of it is also grow. So, I mean, there is an idea of, like, going smaller. And but get China in there. Go play it in China. I th- that's what I'm saying. If you want to grow, what you do is you that's don't hold you it in Toronto. No. You do this, and you maybe Hockey's hold it. Here. And you yeah, could have exactly. another one. You could have a second tier. So, sorry, I don't want to say second tier, but you could have, like, another tournée somewhere else if you wanted to. Like a, yeah, right, second tier is not the right, right word. Maybe like a shit list of countries <laughs> or something. <laughs> the, B, the B squad. List. <laughs> the B teams. Have you looked at the countries that are in the, the C pool for the World Juniors? Uh, I have not. It's hilarious. Nice. Belarus I'm is not definitely. Re- no, Belarus is in B, bro. Uh, Afghanistan. The game. Wait, there's countries? I'm, I'm talking C. <laughs> All right, I'll look it up. We'll get into this next pod. <laughs> All right, that's it for uh, Trial by Opinion.
That's what I do. I drink and I know things. we are back with our topic of the week. We're going to go with a little bit of Blue Jays talk he- right now. Heating up, Phil. Heating up. The heating race. up, kids! Panic button time or no? Nah, your, your hand is never on the panic button until you're out of the playoffs. And if the playoffs started today, the Jays would be in the wildcard game. They'd be hosting it because they have the tiebreaker over I have to get your well, Once you're out of the tape. playoffs, why are you still panicking? There's nothing <laughs> yeah, left to panic about. You're at a point, <laughs> Phil, you're at a point where if they fall out, there may not be time for them to come back. Whoa, 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 everyone's ganging up on me already here. Come on, take it easy. Like, maybe you get the panic button. I found a flaw in your logic. <laughs> pa- panic button during the game. But as it stands right now, they got a three set. They go to Fenway. Have you guys seen what they've done with the outfield in Fenway? Yeah, the big it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, no, you seen that? Yeah, I saw You're it. you serious? It's beautiful? All right. I love it. What's wrong with that? Uh, watch watch Poppy be like, you know what? I'm coming back for a couple more years. Psych. <laughs> I'm not retiring. This whole uh, farewell <laughs> tour Dumb thing is... It's very Kobe like. I hate it. Who started it? It was really baseball. Rivera. SNL debuts this Saturday. I really hope SNL takes a stab at this and lampoons this scene. It would be something, right? Like these tours. Like, what if this dude did decide it was a little cheesy? It's a little cheesy. I'll give you that. But, I mean, I think it's dope. Presence. Presence every city he goes to. (laughs) It, like, forces him out, dude. Like, he's like, I'm leading the league in OBP here. Like, I might come back. They're like, no, we've already done your farewell tour. Farewell's on. It's a good thing he's having the season he is because if he's bad, oh, man, it'd be cringeworthy. Oh yeah, if it was Kobe, it was Kobe so. last year. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, like, he goes off in the last game. He has like five for five all jacks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the parallel of uh, Rodriguez as in Alex's last season. It's just night and day, right? Mm-hmm. So that does set it up. Uh, I guess are we setting up uh, the panic? We're setting up the brawl that Yankees yeah. didn't set it up at all. Well, the brawls it's a bit dated now. It happened on Monday. Um, quick, it's. I think everyone kind of knows what happened. We're still feeling the repercussions, though, so it's exactly. I, th- I think everyone kind of knows what happened. There was basically uh, Donaldson was hit first. Uh, then there was a, a retali- raised on the elbow. In retaliation, it was Hap who has some of the best command, as like his record kind of proves, and he throws behind Headley. Was mm-hmm. it? Uh, some f- yeah, nameless, yeah. faceless Yankees. Some pen yeah. and then and then that should have been the moment where everyone says the um should have then given the warning. Because now it's like you threw behind him. Like it was obvious yeah. what you were trying to do. Mm-hmm. That was your – and the rule, the unwritten rule in baseball is you have your one pitch. Like you have your – if you want to hit someone, you get one yeah. shot. You miss, you miss. So what happens is the very next pitch, tees him up, hits him. Okay, so now there's obviously like a lot of tension. Um, no one thrown out. That's when the official warning was given. And uh, Yankee retaliated, pitched, uh, hit a J, and that's when the brawl happened. So – just, yeah. Justin Smoke was it? Yeah, the ump the ump could have done more. <laughs> the ump could have done more, no doubt about that. But ump can always do more. Hold me back! Hold me back! Sometimes they do too much, though. The Jays retaliated. They hopped off. Uh, you know, came out of the dugout, had a big brawl, and then especially f- from the bullpen comes. Oh, I hate that so much. Oh. First, time, I just I just have something I need to say about the bullpen. <laughs> say like brawls are brawls, they're gonna happen. But why does the bullpen need to get <laughs> it involved? Takes them like an extra minute. Exactly. Like brawls, <laughs> brawls occur. <laughs> brawls occur around like home base, like around pitcher's mound or whatever. The freaking bullpen <laughs> opens. You see these guys sprinting across the field. By the time they get there, the brawl <laughs> is already done. over. Like, uh, what are you looking, adding to it? By the time do. you've gotten there, you've torn a calf. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. Oh. Like, look what happened with Benoit. So like, many I calf tears. I don't Jeez. get it. Why don't why don't the bullpen just 
go in, go at it in the outfield. Yeah, they have their own they separate little it's satellite. Like a, it's like point. when goalie like when fights. Go at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they need to go and all plus, over the mound. That's bullpen fight. Is the bullpen even aware of like why the brawl is no. even happening? I mean, no. Yeah, they probably are. not. Oh, they know what's going. Well, on. Yeah. I mean, they if like someone gets hit, yeah, but like the chatter or like the exactly. chirping, like they can't hear that. They don't know what people are saying. They're not quite. They don't gauge the temperature. I would agree because yeah. they're on the dugout. They're not kind of. Well, here's the they're thing. Just like they see the boys float. They're like, we're going yeah. too. It's ben, an unwritten rule in baseball. Like. Yet another unwritten rule. Yeah, Benoit, who's probably our best setup reliever, or has been this year so he, far. He has been pitching really well. Yeah, it's has, a loss. has torn his calf. It is at least out for the season. As in, like, the regular season, but it's got to bleed a little bit into the playoffs. I wouldn't be sure. Yeah. yeah. When it starts that, like, right after. Caps are a pitcher, too, and they're. They're pushing off and landing. It's like the Cecil had the same thing last year. It's yeah. the same. Calf the calf right might calf. screw the Jays over again. I'm a little worried calf. by the strength and conditioning coach of the Jays not having those guys. Yeah, they need a new calf calisthenics. Exactly. Calf I just feel like that's, that's the hardest he probably sprinted all <laughs> exactly. season. Yeah, He's that's like, a, Benoit's not going to run. Why not need to stretch like, no. out his calves? <laughs> Coming to get you, Yankees. Oh, the tear. The tear. Oh, uh, man. So, yeah, that's rough. And you saw it, too. I mean, it'll, it'll haunt you, right? Skeletons in the closet. Demons under the carpet. The bullpen has been has been such a such an monsters under the bed. It, it, that's what it is, man. And the funny thing was in that game they lost. The first game they were up one. They had one out against Baltimore. They were up two one. Grilly had given up a, a dinger in the eighth. Oh, and really? Osuna goes out there and he had been overworked. They, they, why did Gibbons use him the night before? Is the question? Didn't they use him like a five one win the night before? That is the question. I believe his answer was that. Um, you do whatever you can to win every game at this point. <laughs> Classic Gibby Classic. answer. <laughs> Most general possible. Like, Leaning yeah, back in his chair that. doing one of these. We're not, we're not playing a video game here. After yeah. this, this ain't a video game. This is real life flesh and bones, right? Yeah. So, I mean. In a non-safe situation. And then, of course, they've got this monster that is the monster under the bed in Zach Britton. He was the closer for Baltimore, which is worrisome if they play Baltimore in a one-game playoff. Yeah. This guy. He's, he's a monster. He's, he's on the Cy Young radar now in the AL, and he has saved 47 of 47 attempts. And his ERA is like point five four or something like that. Oh, it's like right yeah. now. Any no. idea the last closer won the Cy Young? Someone won it recently. Uh, it was Eric Gagne. I Gagne. Believe. That's who it was. Yeah. Canadian boy. NL. He did like a fifty five and fifty five. Yeah. yeah, it was sick. They mentioned it. It's pretty rare though, eh? He's uh, he's one of rare company over forty saves under ERA of one. There's only two other people. They're escaping me. They, they brought up the, the kind of board. Uh, Dennis the game. Eckersley. Yes. And, yeah. Eric Gagne. There's another name there too, but it escapes me. Regardless, like it's it's obviously like very good company, or at least very few people who've been able to do that feat. I heard not too long ago he was a very good chance in the Cy Young, like maybe not the favorite. I'm writing about that uh, my piece this week. Uh, I don't give it to Britain, but he is like the way baseball writers of America break down their ballots. It's it's really interesting when you look into it, and I, I provide a link for that. Where you have like a voting system, and with a Cy Young, you vote for up to five people. MVPs, ten people. Yep. Mm-hmm. So your votes as you move down the line play a huge factor, right? Because you're a bit biased, right? Baltimore writers will clearly vote for Britain. So they'll start to throw their votes away to random people yeah. in order to and not. And that's yeah. where your second and third vote become very mm-hmm. valuable. It's going to be a really, really close vote this year with Rick Porcello of the Sox in there. You got Corey Kluber of the, of the Indians and, and Britain as well. Even Jay Happ is in the mix. Uh, I mean, it's it's a bit of a logjam how that'll that'll play out, and those votes will be dispersed. But back to the actual game, it was funny. That's this is not how you close a game, right? The mirror effect of all of a sudden Britain coming out. This is how you close a game. Like yeah. no one's even getting a hit. No one's getting on base. There's no tumultuous tightrope walking. It's like and you're done. 
well, lights out. Grilly also came out from the bullpen and was like kind of in the Calf middle of that brawl, and he was like, you know, being like himself, you know, screaming and like. You know, exerting a lot of energy, exerting, um, those hands. exerting a lot of energy in like the second inning. You know what I mean? And then he comes in, in the eighth, and he looks gassed. I mean, obviously, take it for you. Maybe, maybe what he was doing in the second inning didn't have an impact. But to say that you know, mentally and physically, that doesn't have some you know baggage carried over to his performance. I would say, like, keep your head in the game. This comes down to the, they should never have started this brawl. They should have just like swallowed their pride. Yeah, time to do it. But especially like the the at the point there in the season with the race coming down with the wild card and they were still in the division race at that point. I mean, it's just it's not worth it. You're not gaining anything. You're not you're not doing anything by participating in this stupidity. Look it's, what happened. It's, yeah, it's, it's not a decision any one of the one of the players could have made though. Like as soon as as soon as two or three start leaving the dugout, it's like. But all again, hands like also, on. but it's it's the first guy that comes out. Yeah, which I think was Donaldson. Those unwritten rules again. We've all played play. sports it's, before, and when you're yeah. when you're caught up in the moment and your teammates yeah. are fired up, you need to stand by your teammates. One hundred percent. You do want to maybe have a strategy for it as well, though. I don't know. I think Donaldson wear, should have his white ankle shoes brace, on. Ankle braces for the boys. Two games, his white shoes. But <laughs> if you're Gibby, maybe you have like uh, you're playing Strategio with the other the other bench. You send out your September call ups first. You send out your bench players. <laughs> Just like hockey, man. Have the first wave to hit the actual the melee. Brawl lineups. <laughs> got brawl lineups. Totally. It's like a you new. Send out Dickie. <laughs> yeah. Like, leading the charge. <laughs> like you got the bugle and the banner. You're just running out. He has the, the face paint, half blue, half white, on a horse, <laughs> leading the charge. <laughs> full on Braveheart. Yeah. Going out full chills with oh, Louisville Slugger in his right hand. just took this to a whole other level. You're already waiting with a face paint and you come out, out of the dugout. And then your other players that are your starters and your stars, they kind of they kind of use the lead blockers ahead of them. And, and you, they you just add volume. They don't actually uh, involve. Yeah, get just involved. make baseball just, fun again, please. Well, another thing about baseball, baseball brawls, again. baseball brawls are a lot of like hold me back, bro, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? This all sports best. brawls except hockey. That's yeah. why they have to all go together, so everyone has a partner so to actually hold, hold them back. back bro. Yeah. <laughs> this one, I think there were a few punches. I really they wish were, I could have were. slowed it down and, and taken a look, man. But There's a couple does, bombs. It does set up questions now for the bullpen moving forward, right? You go to a four man rotation. Liriano gets in there. And here's the hot take, though. Do you send Stroman back to, to the pen, or do you have Liriano starting? Liriano's been really good. He's got the experience. Stroman was good last night, though. He was. Yeah. He was. I feel like Stroman's good out of the pen because he seems to get hit around his second and a half, third time through the lineup. And that's if he can come out and rip, if he can come out and rip one or two bomb innings out of the bullpen, need, man, right? and like, then you can use him every second, third day. Yeah. Do you think What's he would that going to do to his confidence? I don't though, care exactly. what it does to his confidence. Bullpen. I don't care what it does. But to his he's confidence. a young guy, and he's win. like he's had a he had an up and down season. But that's like that. He's got to suck it up, man. David Price run. went in the bullpen last year. That guy is uh, like an all star. He's every not twenty four I mean. though. He's not twenty four. There's a well, yeah, a twenty four year old should be able to eat his medicine more. I know what you're saying. He's a bit of like he's got ego, but that doesn't matter. Like it's you got to win. You know what though? I disagree. If I were Gibbons, you just gotta get him to buy in. If you have to. You know, utilize some of his buddies, talk to Sanchez, talk to Donaldson to all, like, you know, be a consensus builder as a manager and kind of get him. Put your foot down and make a decision. Like, <laughs> See, I, that's completely opposite of what I'm trying to yeah, say. But not, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I think with him, with that type of personality that Stroman has, I think you can get him to commit and be like, you know what? You are going to be like our go-to. He wants to win. Stroman wants to win more than anyone, you can tell. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I if you like can get six and seven out of him, reacted. if you can get seven and eight out of him, they they need more of that, man. Like I've said this before, 
this whole model of doing like seven, eight, nine or the three headed monster. Back in the day, you had closers that would come out and would work a seven, eight, nine, mm-hmm. would work an eight, nine, would work two innings, right? Like it's too, too risky if you don't have the arms to just try and replicate those models and have yeah. like a setup to a setup to a closer. If you have a decent arm, like that's why if they were to move Sanchez, it would have been great to have him back there. Hear me out. Yep. Be it Sanchez, Stroman, or even Liriano, one of the three. That's Gibby's decision. That's why I pay, they pay him the money to make that call. But y- you need more of that rather than just going match up, match up, and dinking mm-hmm. and dunking and tinkering with your lineup. I like it. Get someone dominant out there that can handle the lineup twice if need be, the and clo- then get to your closer. The closer got to get the closer getting the ninth. I know what it used to be. That's not going to change. But I know what you're saying. Why do you need someone to set, set up, up in the seventh and eighth? Exactly. Yeah. If you have someone who's good enough to do both, right. and you see sometimes you're right, a guy you know dominates the seventh. Grilly, for example, or Benoit, mm-hmm. and then he like walks oh, the first guy in the Benoit. walks Very the first guy in the eighth, <laughs> and then the wrong-handed uh, batter comes up and they mm-hmm. pull him. It's like the guy probably just got Rolling. three guys out and three batters, and now you get one walk, exactly. and we're already like hitting the panic button. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? I'm not a panic button guy, so it's all the analytics. <laughs> it's overly strategic it sometimes. The I think like coming in completely. Just put a guy out there, and if he if he puts two guys on, then maybe consider that. But like. They, like I think it's just overthought too many times. Like matchups here, who, what you guys hitting where? Like it's just it's too much sometimes. Just put a guy out there. If he doesn't perform, pull him. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, man. You, you got those strong arms. You can put them back there, and and have them go more innings. It, it just seems to make sense. And mm-hmm. uh, the arms right now that the Jays have out of the bullpen, not installing too much confidence. Although it was nice to see Cecil pitch well come out of the pen the other night. All right, boys. Quick predictions here before we get going. Jays wild card. Who are they playing? Which pitcher starts? Phil. Uh, the Jays are going to be playing the Baltimore Orioles in the wild card. Where they're playing that big, bad, scary Camden Yards. Although the the uh, the Yankees are hot right now, Red Sox are kind of falling off. Red Sox kind of you know what? Red Sox are going to rest their starters in the last game. Jays are going to host the wild card. They're going to face Baltimore, and the Blue Jays will actually start Aaron Sanchez in that game. Fosty. Uh, I agree. They'll play. They'll play Baltimore. They'll host it, and I don't know Estrada. Maybe I don't know. That's a good hard hard prediction there, Foster. <laughs> I'm very indecisive <laughs> when it comes to that. Marky, uh, Jays are going to slip. They're going to go to the Ooh. second wild card spot, and they're going to host the Detroit Tigers for a tiebreaker, 163 oh, game. And I'm only saying this because I bought tickets for this game, <laughs> and I'm hoping it happens because uh, either I go or I. Chop those tickets for like <laughs> three times what I paid. So, uh, actually, jokes aside, I think they will. Um, I think they might actually be on the road in that wild card game. I'm going to say they're on the road. I'm going to say the Tigers fall off. I think the Orioles. Kinda... Battle of the birds, the forgotten birds in Camden. Yeah, that's what I'm, I think. Uh, that's so overdone. Battle of the birds. But you know what? I don't think that's the end. Of, I mean, they're set up to win one game, and I think if you had to put a pitcher in, I would put Sanchez. Where is Sanchez right now in the rotation? As I said that. That's what I'm saying. Last game against Boston, I think. Is he? Slated. So if that, it's going to depend whether that game yeah, is Yeah, maybe you could wheel out R.A. Dickey if everything's already in hand there. And then... Uh, like, literally Sanchez. wheel him out on my wheelchair. <laughs> with face paint. <laughs> yeah. With Braveheart face paint. Half blue, half white. Why not? He's in a wheelchair He's in a wheelchair wearing, like, a horse's, like, mat. Like, look like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're going to edit on that because there's nothing I can say after that that's going to top it. Phil, where can we find, what are you talking about this week, and uh, where can we follow you? I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter, at Phil underscore Jones 2020. 
Uh, this week, it's going to be a great piece. I break down all the candidates for all the major awards in MLB. Uh, that'll be out uh, a little bit later today. All National League, All American League awards, touching on Zach Britton, Jay Happ, and uh, Jose Fernandez. The piece is called uh, Award Tour, the 2016 MLB Award Tour. Uh, you can find me, Kyle Forster, on Twitter at Kyle23, K A H L23. As for what I'm writing this week, it will be covering the never ending Derek Rose saga and the issues that continue to follow him. And how the uh, recent legal issues he's suffering through are affecting the New York Knicks franchise coming into this season. Uh, you can follow me, Mark Stanush, at Mark Stanush, and that's spelled S-T-A-N-I-U-S-Ed. And this week I'm writing about Monday Night Football and how, though, the debate is the easy answer to explain why it's low ratings, that there are some other factors, kind of like what we discussed earlier on the show today. And Kyle Cantlin, you can follow me at Kyle Cantz on Twitter. This week we'll be I'll be talking a bit about hockey, of course, Team Canada's World Cup win and what it means for future World Cups and hockey in Canada and for the NHL. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. I break kids, step into my zone, mad rhymes will stifle ya Lines like rifles go blast when I kick some ass A lot of rappers be like one-time wonders Couldn't say a fly rhyme if there was one right under their noses I hate those motherfucking poses, but I'm so real to them, it's scary